Hi, welcome to another Hi. episode of The Adoption Files. Joining me today is Marilyn Huff. Marilyn is an ally and an advocate for adoptee rights, and she is one of the founders of the Search Co-op on Facebook. Thank you for being here today, Marilyn. Thank you, Andi. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. It's a real, I, I feel so honored <laughs> and excited. So thank you. Well, you know, one of the things that we really need as adoptees is to have non-adoptees who are willing to work with us to change the laws and the procedures and just the way people think about adoption. And so it's always a pleasure for me to welcome someone on the show who is, as a non-adoptee, someone who is willing to work for adoptee rights. Yeah, I think it's important to get other people uh, who are not, people don't think they're directly impacted because it's not affecting them personally. But I mean, it, it does ripple, it has a ripple effect into the lives of, you know, for, you know, all citizens and public health in general, you know, with, with the, what I can, what I'm concerning myself more with is their people's rights to accurate birth certificate information, correct recording of information and stuff. And it's a real public health issue to me. I think that the public needs to realize that, that false recording information affects them. They should care about the false recording of people's identities and their births. And it's, there's a, there's a broad span of it. I think it has human rights uh, violations, you know, that go on in adoption and uh, whatnot. So. Okay, well, maybe you could share with us a little bit about how you became interested in the topic, because it's not something that a lot of people even really think about. You know, it happened by accident, right? So, I mean, I no, I never would have thought that I would become so interested in adoption and the rights of adopted people or donor offspring. I mean, I never intended to get involved in that, but my mother, um, I, I have a mother who was, um, I guess what you'd call half orphaned, like her father died two weeks before she was born. And uh, she grew up without him in her life. And her mother wouldn't tell her anything about him. And they were incredibly poor, you know, and, and they lived, you know, out of out of a suitcase, like in, in rooming houses and stuff. So she grew up and, and my, my grandmother died two weeks before I was born. So my mom would complain during my life that she didn't have anybody and uh, didn't have a family to go home to, didn't have, um, nobody would, you know, nobody's waiting for her at Christmas. The only family she's got is is, I, uh, is, is my father and, and my brother and myself. And um, she said, you, you don't know, she would in particularly in, in angry moments when it was one particular when I was 16, we were fighting and she said, you know what? you're a spoiled brat and you don't know what it's like to not belong to anyone. You've got a room, you've got a, you know, you've got a house, you've got a family. She goes, nobody's waiting for me. Nobody's looking for me to come home for Christmas. You don't know what it's like to belong to nobody. I don't belong to anyone. And of course I didn't let her see that that affected me, you know, because I was 16 or 17 and I wanted to just stand my ground and be a brat, but it really impacted me to those words that, you know, you don't know what it's like to not belong to anyone. Um, or and not you know, affected me. So she would talk about the fact that her mother wouldn't tell her anything about her father and um, that she had tried to find him over the years, that all the information about him burned in a fire in someone's garage that her mother told her burned in a fire. And now looking back on that, I think that's funny because 
so many people lose their records in a fire. I mean, it, it, it happens across, you know, it, it's comical to me now that, of course, she was being lied to. And then, you know, the, the Veterans Administration, his information burned in a fire. You know, everything, all the information that she ended up getting about him was wrong. So I, I went in search of her family when I was on my 27th birthday or something like that, 27th birthday. And uh, six months later, I, on, on uh, New Year's Eve, I found her family. I found out that she'd had a sister that uh, she didn't know anything about, that her father had, uh, that he had uh, another wife and he abandoned her and his five-year-old child. And I mean, it was just a complete shock, but she was, it, I thought that she'd be so happy to find out, uh, you know, about her sister and stuff. But it was, unfortunately, it was like, lucky but unlucky, lucky. her sister died the day that I started searching. Oh, wow. And it, yeah. Um, and uh, she actually, my, my mom turned, became like the grandmother figure in that family up in Canada. I mean, they were wonderful people. They couldn't have been, couldn't have been more amazing. They were exactly like us, like, or, you know, they're so funny. And they actually, my brother said, uh, all of a sudden had this huge family in Canada, but she, she'd been lied to. She'd been told everything, you know, different about the situation than, than was really the case. And it affected her, you know, because it made her feel that, uh, you know, she, she she cried about it. She's like, I can't believe everybody knew and they lied to me. You know, my, you know, everyone knew and they were lying to me the whole time because, uh, because it was like people, her, her mother had conspired to keep it a secret. And she goes, and they're all dead and I can't get angry with them. You know, I mean, I can't, I can't yell at them. She wanted to have this conversation about why did you lie to me? So after I did that, I reunited just about everybody I knew. I mean, everybody I knew from school. I was like, hey, I'll help you. You know, this friend didn't know where their dad was. And it turned out I had a ton of adopted friends and had no idea. And think um, that I could help the person. You know, I'm like, hey, I could, I could stop what I'm doing and find that person's family. And I did that. And that's how the numbers started to grow initially from like 100 families to, you know, more than that. I would see people's posts and I'd offer to help them or I'd help them by surprise. That's how it, how it started to grow. And then after that, people started contacting me. So, and I do it for free. So. so you had a family. So it's, it's interesting to me because like a lot of adoptees, you use some of the same language in talking about who are your family by saying, you know, that you found your mom's family, they're, they're your family. But adoptees tend, we tend to do the same thing. We found this person and their kids, rather than saying my cousins, you know, I found my cousins. No, we say we found, I found my mother and her children, or I found. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I, I see, I see your point completely. Um, now, this many years later, you know, because it's been decades, right, has gone by. I mean, it's, it's definitely not a, a recent event. And this is a long, this is ancient history. In the years that have elapsed, they have just become, they're just my cousins. I mean, and, and now it's, my daughter doesn't, uh, doesn't, she knows that my mom didn't grow up with their mom, you know, like say, you know, that the, our moms didn't grow up together. But 
to her, they've always just been our cousins in Canada, you know. Yeah, and it it's you're right. I don't know why I use which I do. You're, you're absolutely right. You're you're pointing out. so yeah. I, I never thought about it before, um, but I I did go in search of her, you know, because you know actually actually it was her loss, right? So I was doing this makeup for my bratty teenage years or whatever. I was do, doing this for her to give her back what she lost, and I didn't ever really perceive it necessarily as my loss because they just weren't there but now they are my cousins i mean it's been you know, like i said decades and and so that we they visited my house and we vacationed with them in you know san diego we've spent you know the holidays with them they're they're my family i mean they live it explains so much i think it my mother was a pretty cold person before she was funny she was hilarious right she had a fantastic sense of humor um but she wasn't very family family oriented or warm until she found her own family because she was on her own young never had her own anything you know she 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 wanted her kids out of the house I mean that was one thing my brother and I were out of the house by 17 and a half she didn't want to she had no connection like that you know um to family she would change the towels you know like for the family the next week that she wouldn't change the guest's towels like you weren't welcome in the house to stay more than a week like if you're a guest I mean she was cold and not until she found her own family and belonged to somebody and really felt like she was part, you know, she was somebody's aunt. She was somebody's, you know, grand aunt or whatever. Like she was serving a purpose in her own family. Did she relax and be warm and want people to stay and come and visit and be, you know, she, she, she changed dramatically after finding her family. I would say she became a much warmer person. Now, that experience, obviously, I understand it's not universal to everybody that goes through reunion, you know, and they, but to me, that was pretty life altering to have my mother become warmer, but they, that was her loss. I guess I used the terminology to, to underscore that I was helping her find her family and I wasn't thinking about it as mine at the time until, until I, they became mine and I embraced them and, you know, obviously now I know where my chunky thighs and, you know, come from. And my great sense of humor too. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's it oh. kind of goes back to what you were saying about how adoption has repercussion or family loss has repercussions that a lot of people don't really think of, and we're conditioned to not think in those ways because you you know your mom intensely felt this loss. At the same time, she doesn't sound like she was considering that this had uh, repercussions in your life as well, which is something I didn't really think about until my younger son mentioned to me. Okay, so I'll back that up. One of the reasons I wanted to find my family was because I didn't grow up feeling like I had cousins or grandparents or aunts or uncles, even though I had my adoptive families, they never felt, I never felt a connection to them. I wanted, I wanted my children. I thought I'm going to find my family. And if they don't want to have anything to do with me, maybe someday they'll want to know my children and maybe my children will have the opportunity to know their cousins and their you know, if they have aunts and uncles, maybe they'll get to experience that. And it, and my younger son actually said to me one day, you know, 
we didn't grow up with any family traditions. But even, you know, Americans, a lot of them have, you know, Thanksgiving Day football and then this big Thanksgiving meal or, you know, midnight mass and then the big, you know, family yeah. gathering where somebody drinks too much and just all those kinds of things. Yeah. They didn't grow up with that. And it made me really think even more about how it doesn't just impact the first generation of loss it has generational consequences and that also well where you've mentioned before the public health angle even if even if the first generation doesn't end up accidentally marrying a close relative if you are growing up in the same community where your um, both sides of your family reside there's the chance that your children will come into contact, perhaps intimate contact with their close relatives. So I say that this is one of the reasons for me being such a fierce advocate for not just, not just open records, but don't change the record. Don't, don't change anybody's birth certificates at all from the beginning, right from the start. Yeah. You know, it's, Questionable that it's 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 revised because, and and also this model of uh, this model of family building um, is predicated on on a on a family structure that is highly toxic. I mean, what kinds of situations do you have outside of adoption or donor conception situations where where someone conceals the existence of their child? son or daughter from the the larger portion of their family from their own parents from their sisters brothers you know whatever from their other children you know under what circumstances what does someone do something so insidious as to conceal the existence of their child from everyone in their life all their friends are, okay that's a highly abnormal and dysfunctional model of a family to pattern a whole industry after people in the family would not be able to you know call and separate and vet you know their own immediate relatives you know it, from the dating pool of available people that they, that they you know that they could re- reproduce with people within the family are able to you know do that critical thing which is to separate their relatives from the pool of a you know pool of available partners to to reproduce with when they're out there in the dating world it's simply it's terribly unhealthy and 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 arrogant and and um presumptuous of you know one or two individuals to to blind an entire family to it's like driving a car blindfolded this is what adoption does to an entire family of people you know they're completely blindfolded as to you know where, you know who 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 they're related to, and 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 one one unknown sibling or unknown per, is more than an, is, is one too many, right? So there should be nobody should be in a position where they have no idea who their parents are or who their siblings are or whatever. It's just it's just incredibly unhealthy and short sighted, you know. So um, I I I became a really fierce advocate because every single family I've 
assisted, you know, involved either an incomplete or a false birth certificate, falsified birth certificate with the wrong name of a wrong parent on it. So well, um, I want to stop it. We're going to see a lot more of that. Well, we are seeing a lot more of that with the advent of commercial DNA testing because people are discovering that they didn't have the parent that they thought they did or uh, that they were unaware of. And so this is an issue that doesn't affect just adopted people, but you know, for the purposes of the show, we're mostly focused on uh, adoptees and our access to our original information. And I, at least with this show, I strive to ally with the anonymous donor concepted conception yeah. community because I don't well, think right that that's anonymous either. I don't think that they should be. I think that that's a very unregulated, unsafe, unethical industry, just as a, as adoption is. And yeah. So now, one of the things that I had posted on Twitter when I was still on Twitter was that the only people who should be on an individual's birth certificate are the people responsible for creating that person. And I had a lot of people who got very upset with this. Their contention was that I was saying that it should be mandatory for everyone to be DNA tested before they could be put on a birth certificate. Well, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Which, yes, it would not be a bad idea. But I, my response was adoptees are used to having their father's name left blank on their birth certificates so if a father does not wish to be dna tested they can just leave that blank on the birth certificate now that also caused quite a few unhappy responses but the the point was that it's a birth certificate it's a legal document that purports to state who an individual's actual biological parents are the people who created them now are there mistakes made at times a a man may put his name on a birth certificate honestly believing that he is that person's father that is that's a good faith mistake in my opinion now when you look at and the, and the presumption of paternity can also be uh, argued in court, and the man's name can be removed. Although they're reluctant to do it, a man can argue and win, you know, a, a, a case where say, he says, I am not this child's father, right? And the law allows then for the actual father, if discovered, to be put on the birth certificate because they have a process that allows for amending a birth certificate but when when it comes to adoptees and donor conceived people the law does not allow us to amend our birth certificate to show our true parentage and have that be considered a legal birth certificate once we have been adopted or uh, born after you know being donor conceived, but 
I'm because it'll get really complicated. I'm just going to focus on adoption for now. Focus on adopted, although you should also focus on the fact that changes in the laws need to not be about what adopted people have rights to or what owner conceived people have rights to. It should be that citizens have a right to X, Y, and Z, period, across the board, without category without them falling into any particular category and giving them special, unique rights different from the rest of the population, right? The rules should be the same for everyone, period. You know, otherwise it's not equal rights. Otherwise it's not equal protection by, that per by the state, right? If you can't count on, you know, it, everybody's human. Everybody is, is, is births are supposed to be recorded according to the, Center for Disease Control, National Vital Statistics System, that's who mandates the collection of information for birth certificates, right? They mandate that states report every birth and they, that they certify as to the, you know, medical accuracy of the identity of the people named as parents, right? Because the federal government doesn't want to collect crap information on, on individuals and their Families, they're, 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 you know, vital statistics are, are, are a major uh, way of a country's determining, you know, the health of their overall population, you know, because if, if your population is of a reproductive age and they are not, there's a low birth rate or something, you, you know, you have a country that it's not replacing itself at each generation, you've got a problem. The country cares about the medical accuracy of those records and the fact that the country allows for states to modify birth records after the fact to encourage and increase adoption of what they would label as illegitimate children who might be a drain on the economy, that they allow them to falsify birth certificates as a, you know, uh, like, you know, you, you're, here's your bonus prize. You also get to, you know, fake it in public if you take on one of these kids. Um, that, you know, that's what the federal government says. They allow them to alter those records, but they don't recognize the birth certificates that they falsify. The federal government doesn't recognize these false birth certificates that are issued a year after birth. You know, you, you know, the State Department says, we don't consider that a real birth certificate. That's why, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands of adoptees aren't able to leave the country because they can't prove their birth with their fake certificate because it was issued more than a year after their birth. And there's a lot of people in the position where they cannot get a passport. So the federal government doesn't acknowledge these fake birth certificates that are being cranked out by the states. Now, for the most part, people can function in society with one of these you know, modified birth certificates, but it's a lie and it's fake. And if everybody, I mean, either everybody, rules should be the same for everyone. Everyone should have a protected right to equal treatment by the, by the government, right? That's a, you're supposed to be born entitled to that. It's a constitutional right. And the fact that the rules are different for a certain segment of society, and if you want to, you know, based on their categor categorization, because, you know, they're adopted and they, they have different rights than the rest of the population, I consider that to be problematic, you know, from, from the standpoint of an outsider. You know, there shouldn't be any segment of society, you know, with, that's treated based on their race or religion or whatever, or any category they fall into, they have no control over. We should change those laws. So it's, you know, adoptees shouldn't just have a right to uh, 
at copy of their original birth certificate. It's obviously that's not equal to never having had a birth certificate revised to begin with. That would be equal with the rest of the population. You bring up several different issues. So when you talk about the government not recognizing those amended birth certificates, you do, you know, you did mention issued a year after. So since 9-11, the government has bolstered, strengthened, cracked down on, I don't know how you want to describe it, but they have basically changed their expectations for birth certificates. If it's issued more than a year after the person's birth, then it you're right, it causes all kinds of complications for adoptees to get driver's licenses, social security yep. cards, passports. Now, this occurs primarily with international adoptions because most states in the United States now finalize adoptions well before that year mark. So for people like myself who was born overseas, my birth certificate was not finalized until I was 13 months old. So I've been having difficulty getting my real ID now. And I've been investigated by the government. That was fun. I always have birth certificates that are issued. And there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of these kids that are adopted out of foster care that are clearly over a year when they're born that are having that have had great difficulty even they're not allowed to go they can't get a passport they can't go to mexico they can't go to canada ever ever and see and that's a good that's a good point because that's another you know like a lot of us a lot of adoptees who are speaking out against the adoption industry and the way adoption is is done in this country are people who were adopted very young we were adopted as infants or as toddlers and then you have the fact that the government has structured things so that they now have these foster to adopt programs that involve much older children. They, there obviously needs to be some way to provide stable care for, for kids who are growing up in horrible circumstances. But the states also allow for children to be removed from families for absolutely ridiculous reasons, and they don't seek kinship placement they they're putting so yeah there's so many problems with the foster to adopt oh, no, they do it because of the title id yeah there's many yeah reasons. so i'm um, sorry that this is a little disjointed because there are so many different layers to this and i'm glad that you point out that you know kids who are being adopted older generally through the foster to adopt programs they're birth certificates are a nightmare for them as well. And I apologize to the listeners for not uh, really thinking about that because most of the experience I have is with people who are adopted very young. And the point I think that we're trying to make with this is that nobody needs to have their birth certificate altered. And that's kind of where we're getting to with Marilyn's project that she's working on and something that a lot of us have been talking about is the fact that it is not necessary to change a person's birth certificate in the vast majority of cases in order to provide 
a stable, loving home for that individual. And yeah, it's, argument, it's never needed to do it. Yeah. Yeah. The only time where I've seen that there's absolutely no other recourse if you want to adopt, which I have problems with adoption just in general, and that's with international adoption in order for a lot of international adoptees to be brought to this country, the government requires that the person be formally adopted and take the name of their adoptive family. Now, that could be changed. The laws of man can be changed, right? We can't do anything to change, you know, what happens in nature, right? We have no control over what's fair and unfair in nature. You know, you know a, a tree can fall on your car and a three-year-old can be killed. I mean, you know, you, the, the laws of, of, of nature are completely outside our control, but the laws of man are within our control. And because of that, we are supposed to strive for them to be fair and equitable, right? There's no excuse for laws that put anybody in a position of in, inequity, right? There's just no excuse. We're in control of those laws as, as people that have the, the ability and the wherewithal to write a law and then call it, you know, mandate it and enforce it, right? That adopted individuals are treated on, you know, with different rights, whether they're from a foreign country, whether they're, it's domestic, whether it's kinship adoption, whether it's whatever it is, the fact that the, the rights of the human being are reduced and assigned a whole different set of rights where they don't have that same right to remain who they really are is, it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, it, it reminds one of another model of human ownership and, you know, domination that is, that was, is being stamped out in the world in general, right? We're not supposed to have people serve in a role, assign them a role and give them different rights so that they can't escape it. So um, international adoptees, if we have laws on the books that say you have to adopt them in order to bring them over here, those laws need to change, right? Yeah. I mean, it just Well, and yeah. one of the laws that, you know, you're working on a project that I wanted to talk with you about a lot of people are unaware that in this country, there are many states, not all states, but many states have mechanisms that allow an adoptive parent to retain the original birth certificate of the child that they are taking into their home. And it's important when people think about the laws that they realize that the laws are worded very specifically for a reason. And the majority of the laws that I have read on this topic, in the language, it says that the amended birth certificate will be issued in the new name unless the adoptive parent requests that the original be retained. And most adoptive parents don't seem to know that they have the ability to make that request and retain the individual's original birth certificate. Yep. And, and part of this bothers me because I know people who will read every single word in a lease agreement for a car, but then there are people who are adopting or 
you could say purchasing a person and they're not aware of the laws that govern the actions that they're taking they're unaware yeah that they can preserve this person's identity and they'll argue with you like what are some of the arguments that you hear Marilyn when you say to somebody you could keep this person's birth certificate well first let me just frame it with with I became interested in 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 trying to educate people not to revise the birth certificate of a person that they're planning to adopt or whatever. I became interested in that as sort of an offshoot of I wanted I wanted to tell people don't revise the birth certificate and don't adopt, right? So this is a little bit difficult for me in that I have become a fairly vocal, really vocal advocate person who is against adoption and in favor of guardianship. So I should state up front that um, this really applies to either situation, either where you're going to be someone's legal guardian or you're going to adopt them. I wanted to get out, get the word out to um, to people who are potentially taking in uh, youth um, to, into their care because they've lost their, the children have lost their families for, for whatever reason and, and they're going to be taking these children into their care. I wanted to get the word out that they that birth certificate revision is is not mandatory in most of the states so far that I've researched and we'll get to that in a minute um, that it is not absolutely necessary um, and that also to prove to them when they would bring questions to me like what do I do about this how do I get them a social security card how do I get them a passport how do I do this unless my name is apparent on the on the birth certificate so I started collecting proof from government websites and you know in response to those questions and try and collect it so that I have like a little ready go package that I, you know, a little advocacy package. that's like, here are the answers to the most frequently asked questions about, you know, assertions that uh, my name needs to be on the birth certificate because I can't do business on behalf of this child in my care unless my name is on the birth certificate. So I have a a response to, you know, all of those commonly asked questions. And um, I don't, I wish people wouldn't adopt. I wish they would, you know, do guardianship. And I'm actually, this, this uh, project of mine is a little bit, um, I'm a little conflicted about it because it sort of sounds like I'm saying, this is the ethical way to adopt. There is an ethical path. Here's choose this ethical path. I don't think it's ethical to, 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 to do anything other than guardianship. Um, it, I don't, right. But if they're going to do it and I want to see, I wanted to do something that was going to make a difference right now without even the laws having to change you know how can we change the future for some adopted people you know people that are about to be adopted how can we change things to make life easier on them moving forward even if we don't fix adoption broadly which should be done but you know and while that while that's going on you know while all these efforts to open open birth records in each individual state which is painstakingly slow while all that is going on people are revising birth certificates every day in court. Somebody's adopting somebody and they are revising their birth certificates. So in the meantime, while all the advocacy is going on to try and correct the laws, in the meantime, people are being adopted and they're being given falsified birth certificates. There is a lot of, a lot of people adopting are on these boards. They're, 
they, they, they want to do it ethically. They want to do it. How can I t- cause no trauma? You know, how can I do something that's inherently unethical without causing the child any trauma, which is such an ironic thing, right? How can I pacify them? Okay. All right. Which I find humorous, right? Because I have a really sarcastic, you know, side of me that likes dark humor. But I mean, you know, yeah, they're pretty entitled and they just want, you know, they don't want anyone to see that they've done damage to somebody, right? How can I make this more palatable? How can I make family separation more palatable? But the reality is, is it would be willing to entertain an open, open situation and communication with the child's family and that they want to minimize the trauma. Well, those are the ones that need to know that there's an option not to revise the birth certificate and that it could make life for that person that they're adopting significantly less difficult. And it would be far more respectful of them as a human being to acknowledge them publicly on the record as who they actually are and allow them to retain their original identity unaltered. Because then it says, I'm taking you in who you are. You're not my child. I'm not trying to pretend that you're my son or daughter, you know, on, on, on the record, you know, we're real clear about who we are and, and, you know, you can keep your, keep your original birth certificate to do business with. I don't mean just keep it in the drawer. It is not equal, you know, having a copy of the original that is stamped unusable not for not for identification purposes is not equal treatment to the rest of the population right equal treatment would be to allow them to remain you know formally identified as themselves on their original record without without any interference you know with the exception of possibly putting a first name on a birth certificate if a first name has been omitted somehow with a foundling let's say for instance which you know there's foundlings are unicorns there's very few of them right so if somebody didn't have a first name that that, that a first name might be applied to the birth certificate but in general if if someone is born and 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 the parents are known they're going to have a birth certificate issue that's at least purported you know supposed to be uh, genetically and medically accurate right so that they should retain that one so that there is no backstory that it is the truth you know, because people give a lot of lip service to, um, you know, we were open. We told them the truth. They've always known about their birth family, their birth mother, you know, and I don't like that term, but, you know, if they've always known, you know, you, out of one side of your mouth, you're saying, oh, you know, you have a mother and a birth mother. Oh, oh really? Well, then why are you on the birth certificate that copy that I've got? You know, you know, you, if you're lying on, if you're, if you're telling the truth in private, but you're lying in public on paper, you're not telling the truth. You're full of shit. One of the things that adopted parents will will say is that, well, but you know, then it's just it's hard for my child because I have to explain why their name is different from uh, our name, and then they don't feel like they belong. And like, I'm pretty sure that's the message you're sending them, because if yeah, we... that, that, that's the message. Yeah, and and you know, millions of kids that are from you know parents that were unmarried don't have the same last name as their mom because their mom went back to her maiden name and they still have their dad's name or whatever. All of that, I don't believe, uh, I believe that their names should not be altered either. However, for the purpose of this project to convince adopters not to revise the birth certificate, I am letting them know, as painful as it is for me to say it because it conflicts with my own personal, they're not even personal beliefs. It conflicts with the facts of, 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 suppression and and oppression and everything else it conflicts with the facts of 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 what i would like ideally i am letting them know that they can 
the the name change that they would like can occur exclusively on the their adoption order, and that will be the changed name. You know, that they, they can still change the name, which they shouldn't do, but they can do it if they're hell bent on it. And the original birth certificate can remain the same, and that they would be just present. If they needed to prove that their name was changed, they'd present the name change document to demonstrate that that, that really is the, their, who they are, you know, and um, that, that, the, that their original name, they've had their name changed. They were adopted and their name was changed. Just like I got married and my name is not the same as it was on my birth certificate. Um, and, but allowing them to retain the original allows the adopted person certain, a, a, a large number of, of uh, opportunities or, or uh, access to information about their their relatives that they won't have if their birth certificates change because their whole identities change. So they can go get um, vital records on you know their parents and their parents' children and you know their grandparents and things of that nature at the vital records office if if they have their own un, un, unaltered birth certificate is their identifying birth certificate. Um, and they would also still have access to the vital records of their adoptive family. And so I'm trying to convince people that their their authority in their adoption would be would not be undermined by allowing the adopted person to retain their birth certificate. It would simply mean that that they are able to have access to information and 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 not face all these challenges, you know, that they would have two families and in reality, when I found out, I wanted to be able to show my grand, my kids and my grandkids who our family is, because one of the things growing up, I always wondered about is why am I not like these people? <laughs> and my kids used to comment on why, you know, why they didn't look anything at all like their cousins or their aunt or uncle. So, you know, kids have eyes and I wanted to be able to show them here is who your your family is. This is where you fit. This is how you belong. Here are pictures of people who look like you. Here's why you have these traits or these other traits or these talents or these abilities. Because human beings, for whatever reason, we need to know where we fit. It provides us with, I think, a sense of security in in, a, in an enormous universe. And I wanted to be able to show them that. And then another adoptee pointed out to me, she said, well, you're married. I said, yes. Who's listed as your parents on your marriage certificate? And I went, oh, okay. And then when I die, who will be listed as my parents on my death certificate? If my great grandchildren, for some reason, lost track of you know who grandma was, yeah, and they mm -hmm. go to legal documents to try and figure out who who they're related to and where yeah. they're from, up. they're yeah. looking at bullshit. I mean, sorry, people, but that's what this is. No, no, it's absolute. Cool bullshit did i belong to my adoptive parents yes legally 
I belonged to them. But their children are not, their children are not my siblings. And their nieces and nephews and all these people are not my cousins. And that's just, that's just the way it is. You can talk about chosen family all day long. Good for you. But as a child, the child does not have the opportunity to make an informed decision about who Uh they choose to have as chosen family. I would rather have known who my family was and been able to make an informed decision about whether I wanted anything at all to do with those people than to have to grow up wondering and then find out and then have them reject me because they never even knew I existed. Yep. And it, I mean, so, wouldn't it be, would be so much easier if everybody were treated equally and they simply didn't falsify the records. There is no other, there's no situation else in law where we simply, you know, go, okay, you will pretend that you did this. You know, I mean, it, it, and, and to, to, to expect offspring of these people to, to just accept the fact that there is falsified. There's no other example in law of anything where, you know, the falsification of, of a record is is condoned and sanctioned by law. There just there just isn't. It's it's just that um, they don't record the truth. I mean, in Kentucky and in some other states, they changed the, the name of the location, the town. So many things that really bother me. <laughs> so many things that bother me. So many things. But it's just that I... There's no need for it other than a manufactured reason. And those manufactured reasons have nothing to do with what's in the best interest of the child and everything to do with the desires of the adults and the inability of the adults to know how to help say, oh, but it'll make things so much more difficult if, you know, they they're asking me why don't I have the same last name as you and well okay if you've told them they're adopted then that that's one reason why they don't have the same last name as you is they have different parents and well but they want to feel like they belong well then make them feel like they belong you don't have to change a person's name to make them feel like they belong that's a manufactured cultural expectation that can be yeah. changed. Our culture changes it, 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 all it changed. the time. It's women used to not be able to vote. Cultures change. We have to change the way we think about these things. And you know, you're working on it with some people who are struggling because they're dealing with Texas. Yes. Or do you okay, that yeah. able to talk about? I say that I'm 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 a little keyboard warrior, and I know people make fun of me. People, I, I'm used to being called a troll. I'm used to being called whatever because I'm out there on Reddit or on, you know, I go on people's blogs and I comment, like comment, you know, don't don't change the birth certificate, don't change their last name, consider it guardianship instead. So, you know, in in this process of, you know, if there is a article I can put a comment into uh, about, you know, where I discourage adoption. Dis- you know, encourage guardianship, discourage birth certificate revision, 
and all that. If there's if there's an article open on the internet, I'm searching every day, Googling every day. And so I posted somewhere about the topic, um, trying to convince, uh, and I was, was very diplomatic about it because I have an end goal in mind. I posted for adoptive, you know, future people who are considering adoption to please, um, if you're concerned about, you know, lessening the trauma and impact and like difficulties in the life of the person that you're planning to adopt um, and you aren't going to consider a guardianship but but you're still going to adopt but you want to reduce reduce the problems they have later in life please consider not revising the birth certificate um, and you know here are some answers to the commonly commonly held beliefs why why people think they need to have the birth certificate revised because by the way I've got this database and this index of um, of state laws that I'm sharing with people in a link to, you know, that you can look up your state and see if um, your law, your state is mandatory for birth certificate revision. And, you know, a lot of people have actually started, you know, write to me and say that they've decided not to revise their, um, the adoptees, ad not, sorry, not adoptee, I'm trying not to use that word anymore, adopted person's birth certificate. Um, which I find to be a great win. I mean, I hope that they're doing what they say they're doing, but one woman contacted me um, having been convinced by, but my little, my little package of, you know, r responses and my database, she was convinced that um, she didn't want to revise the birth certificate of this newborn that she has had in her custody since, you know, that she left the hospital since I left the hospital. And she wrote to me and she says, don't, don't try to convince me not to adopt, you know, and she went through her spiel and she says, you know, she's very pro adoption. And I was like, I'm, I want this kid not to have a revised birth certificate. So I'm going to be polite to her, right? Cause there's a real person whose future is at risk here. So be polite to her. And I was polite to her. And she said, she was very nice. And she says, well, our attorney in Texas won't, won't agree to not request a revised birth certificate. Do you know of, you know, asking me, do you know of any attorneys in Texas, adoption attorneys in Texas that will will um, assist us with performing the adoption in this way where we don't revise the birth certificate? And of course I was in this position all of a sudden of being like, well, you know, I don't really hang out on adoption attorneys, right? Like, I mean, because basically that's not the party I'm, I kind of, they're not my, that's not my- You're not your people? Right? Like I don't. <laughs> I'm not really out my people, right? You know, because I mean, I'm not going to make friends with a lot of, you know, people that are, you know, adoption attorneys. It's just, it's not going to happen. So, I mean, all of a sudden, I was in this position of really wanting to have a best friend who was an adoption attorney in Texas. <laughs> Can you help this woman, right? You know, and so um, I started scrambling. And as you know, I contacted you looking for help, and I did reach out to Greg at Adoptee Rights Coalition, and I didn't hear back. Although to be there to him, he has responded to me in the past. And I don't know that, you know, I don't know what more he, he really could have told me than what you told me or what I was telling her myself, which is, you know, if you're, you're the person adopting and you've got the laws right here, and, you know, here's the form from Texas that says the actual form that needs to be filled out and filed with your adoption packet that says, if, you know, uh, do, you, um, do you want a new birth certificate issued with the adoptive name on it? Yes or no, okay? Just check the no box. That's all you have to do. Just don't check that box. Yeah. She was fairly convinced by what I had said that um, uh, that she could navigate the child's life 
without her name on the birth certificate. You know, she was going to change the child's name, um, the last name of the child, and it would just be on the adoption decree. And it would be, you know, the child would deal with presenting themselves with a copy of their adoption decree to say, oh, my name was changed. My last name was changed. And still, that would be better because, you know, in this case, that child, uh, her, or this child, she's an active adoptee. She's like, you know, I don't know, she's two months old right now. Um, you know, she's got a mother and, 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 and brothers and sisters in Mexico. Now, she grow up with her name staying on her birth certificate, with her mother's name on that birth certificate. She'll be able to sponsor her siblings for American citizenship as an adult. It matters that she would ask her citizenship through her mother to Mexico. Okay, these things matter. And, you know, people later on in her life don't need to know she's adopted if she's trying to bring her, her siblings to this country. Don't need to know. You know, if she needs to, to up, you know, to, to deal with her mother's funeral or something in Mexico, or whatever, she can walk in, show her American birth certificate that says her mother's name's on there, and she can present it and say, hey, I was adopted, it's my new name, and be able to prove who she is with the, other, the, the name change decree. The woman who was potentially adopting this child was convinced, actually, from all the information that I'd given her that she, she could do this, and she was frustrated that she couldn't find an attorney to do it. So she was going to fire her attorney and find a new one. So they had an appointment. Now it's been a couple of weeks ago, appointment to meet with a new attorney. And I certainly hope that that attorney has, has been willing to help her. And I reached out to um, like the coalition of Texas adoption attorneys Ooh. <laughs> and tried to um, try to get them to engage with me about this particular law that's on the books that allows the parent, the adoptive parents not to revise birth certificate I wanted them to to try and back it but you know back it up and offer this this people from Texas now I mean that person just happened to be from Texas I'm, I'm talking to people all over the country you know in an attempt to make make it become the current culture that you know that it, that revising the birth certificate becomes so passe that it's like um, similar to telling a child that not never telling a child that they were they were adopted and that they have a different family that it would go out of vogue even though it's still allowed by law you know in the meantime while the laws are trying people are trying to fight and change the laws that that it that it be a process that people start to consider to be archaic and draconian you know yeah no i totally agree i think that the more i i am participating in this kind of advocacy, the more I'm realizing that we can't realistically just approach this from the perspective of changing the laws to allow adult adoptees to receive copies of their original birth certificates. It needs to be a multi-pronged approach to, to the problem because it is a problem. You know, people want to reduce it to well, you know, we don't want to leave children without care. Well, no, of course we don't want to leave children without care. But the fact is we don't have to do it the way that has been done pre predominantly. Yeah. Predominantly just since the 30s. This is not a practice that has been around forever. This is something closed adoption, plenary adoption, the way it's practiced today has only really been around for less than a hundred years. 
there's no reason why it can't be changed because we know it it causes harm. The way that we're providing care at the moment causes harm, not just harm to the immediate individual, but generational trauma. Issuing someone two birth certificates isn't equal. So hopefully at some point they will get to the point where they stop doing that. And that's why in the meantime, while it's still not equal, you know, the, the more people that, that stop revising the birth certificates when they adopt, the more likely it'll be come in, you know, out of vogue and, and, and maybe it'll be more likely that they will agree to change the law at some point to something that is equal and the same for all people, you know, where you get issued the birth certificate. It's certified to be medically accurate and that's the end of the story. And it's only changed in the event that they discover an error, you know, an error of medical fact or they, they, they are obtained facts that were previously unavailable in the case of, say, an unnamed father, they find the father or something. That's the reason why you would amend it. You know, until that's the case, you know, it would be, it, it's just, it's simply not equal. Issuing two birth certificates and having a, a, a version of your certificate that isn't, isn't a legal for identification purposes, that's just not how the rest of the population is handled by the government. Nobody, you know, nobody else has two identities, right? And one that's not valid and has the one that's true be the one that they can't use. Like, that's got to be frustrating, and I'm not adopted. <laughs> but to have the truth be stamped not valid and have the one that's fake be the one that you have to use to identify yourself must be super insulting. Oh, it's so <laughs> it's so infuriating. I mean, and that's the thing, so is that the efforts that you're making, the efforts that people are making to um, allow access, all of these are important parts of the puzzle, you know, there are these different pieces and they need to be addressed. And some groups are focusing on one aspect and they're putting forth a lot of energy and that is a necessary endeavor. What, you know, what's, what others are trying to do to change it at the beginning point is a necessary endeavor. The people with groups like Saving Our Sisters, but these are all like really vital parts of addressing this narrative and addressing the laws and you know unfortunately when we talk about what's right and ethical and moral we run up against what is legal and in this country right now because of the financial and cultural and moral investment that people Put into the idea of adoption as being a good thing, it's difficult yep. to persuade people. So we have to change that that mindset. So what you're doing is part of that work of changing that that mindset. I think so. I think. I mean, I I, I hope it will be. I mean, it has. I became particularly focused on. Well, you know, it's great to get them access, but what, what, you know, for future ones, you know. Let's stop it from happening in the future. I wanted to take a look at these laws about mandatory, you know, revision. And when I started to discover that some states had um, did, didn't require it, then I took a look, a harder look at his website, and noticed um, that his excerpts of law are primarily coming from the family code in each of the states. And I noticed in one particular instance, it was just one state, 
um, that I saw the the vital uh, the health code of the state allowed for or, or didn't require birth certificate revision, but it looked like in the in the in the family code that that revision was mandatory. And when I saw that conflict, I was like, whoa, well, you know, it would be, you know, since there's that conflict and it's allowed that, that they don't have to revise it under the health code, um, I thought I'd put together a table that, that where I looked at both of the rules and was able to put them into that table so people could look up their state in actual excerpt from the code. And so I, in, in each state, I'm looking at the family code and the, um, the health code for vital statistics. And gleaning and clipping out the, the code language, you know, exactly. I'm not, edit, you know, editing it. I'm not really even giving my opinion on it. I'm just putting, you know, and I, the only opinion I put there is mandatory, not mandatory, or possibly not mandatory. Um, because the goal of the project is to, is to find those, you know, the, that code language that would, would allow a birth, uh, an adopted person to retain their original birth certificate. So if, if, if the vital records code, you know, allows them to keep it, I'm putting it in there and letting people know, hey, look, fight for this for this child, you know, um, you know, object to the revision of their birth certificate and point to this code right here. Here's the code. And if I can get a copy of the form from the state that the attorneys have to fill out, I put that link right in there. And, you know, the, the, the database um, is growing and it really I've now gotten down to a system where it only takes. Uh, you know, maybe 15 minutes per state for me to, because now I know where to find the language in every state's code. It's pretty consistent. Um, uh, and the database is growing, and I um, will add states to it, because I mean, I post links to this thing all over the all over the internet, um, and in various uh, adoptive, um, hopeful adoptive parent groups that I'm allowed in to get the information out in a online forum, you know, I say, if you don't see your state in this database, contact me and I will look it up for you. I will do that emotional labor. I will do it just because this is that important. I will look up the laws in your state. I will put them into this database and I thank you for your contribution to the database by asking me for your help, right, and getting the information. So it grows kind of by, at this point, because I've got other things to do, um, it grows with each new request to me, um, and hopefully maybe it'll grow with, you know, some other participants willing to help me build the database, you know, on, on the activist side. But the hope, hopeful adopters are helping me build this by saying, hey, I'm interested in, in, in not revising the birth certificate. Can you look up my state law? And um, and it's working, right? So, the, the, and I would say more than half, what much more than half the states that we have in the database so far are optional states. And um, Texas was the first one that I've encountered where someone was actively attempting to, you know, close an adoption within the next couple months, and they're unable to do it, but with the current attorney who's refusing to do it. I had, I had an actual form, like it has a numbered form for the adoption procedures, you know, from the family court that said, you know, it's from Texas that says, you know, do would you like a new birth certificate index issued in the adoptive name? And it says yes or no. And so I'm like, here, use this form. Well, in the six months or so that I've created this database, that form changed. And I'm mad about it. 
mad about it. But the laws on the books haven't changed. Laws on the books have not changed. Yeah, and so, that's a concern. Um, that's the important part. Yeah, I think there's a lot of concern with the overturning of Roe v. Wade that a lot of these states that immediately endorsed the um, the elimination of Roe v. Wade that they are going to be changing laws and making it more difficult for adoptees, especially with the advent of commercial DNA testing, because there has been noise among certain legislators in different states, like uh, I think Arizona was one of them, where they're trying to make it uh, even more difficult. And they're trying to, there are people who are even pushing to ban commercial DNA testing. And I don't know that that, that will pick up any speed, but it is worrying. Well, I, hope, I, hope, I hope, I really hope it doesn't, um pick up speed. Um, Arizona is an open state. I was actually in my encounters with with people that were hoping to adopt. I've encountered several people from Arizona that were positive that birth certificate revision was mandatory upon adoption in the state of Arizona. I mean, they were, they argued with me about it and I provided them with, you know, I put there, I said, thank you so much for participating in this project and thank you for asking me the question. I've placed, you know, the codes in there that says that it's um, an option that the, you know, I don't think it should be an option for people that adopt at all. I don't think they should be allowed to change the birth certificate, obviously, but it's an option. It says it right there, and here's a copy of the form. And so these individuals were surprised, and they have, they've said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that. I will tell my attorney, and we'll do it that way. That's what we want to do. So, I mean, I, I really like for no, I'm really glad that there are hoping to adopt that are would like to pursue this as an option for the child that they adopt. That they, that 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 I was able to put together in an argument or a, a a package of information that addressed their concerns to the extent that they'd be willing to behave differently than people who've adopted in the past yeah. um, for the benefit of that person. And I I hope that that continues and I hope to gain um, some you know traction and interest um, in this little project um, from uh, uh, adopted individuals that are listening to your program and then you know who are members of the various groups that I'm in I'm not in a lot of groups on Facebook but I'm in an amount of them um, and uh, I hope that they embrace this idea of as a, as a as an intermediate measure it would be really great if people started to change their behaviors if they're adopting um, uh, or if they're, you know, and certainly if they're being guardians, they don't need to worry about that. But it also, this point that you don't have to change the birth certificate also really reinforces the fact that guardianship is a, is a, the best alternative and you don't change the birth certificate there, obviously. Um, and people are able to, to raise children from birth to adulthood sometimes as guardians just fine fine with different names and everything else they managed to you know sign permission slips for field trips and obtain medical care get a social security card get a passport you know sign them up for soccer it's all possible you don't need to be named as a parent on the birth certificate yeah and i just want to like really quickly clarify for people who uh, live in different states with different laws 
the legal language around substitute caregiving is different because there are no uh, uniform laws that address uh, alternative childcare in this country. So in some states, when you hear the word guardianship, it's defined very differently than what it is here in California. In California, legal guardianship provides you all of the rights of a parent without the need to change the person's birth certificate. In other states, guardianship has a much different definition. So in those states, you might want to substitute uh, legal custody because in some states, legal custody gives people all of the rights of a parent without having to change a birth certificate. And of course, in other countries, because we're talking, you know, about the United States and the fact that not all states here require that a birth certificate be changed. Other states, other countries have different practices. And I would love to hear from people in other countries how your country handles this. I know for me, coming from the UK, my adoptive parents were given the option of changing my birth certificate. So I know that that is the practice or was the practice in the United Kingdom. But, you know, Canada or I know I'm, you know, Africa or South American countries, there are different practices depending on where you are in the world. And I think the more we talk about how different cultures approach the um, the need for substitute caregivers, the, the more well-rounded, the, the more ideas we can exchange, then maybe we can create a system that is not as exploitative and unequal as what we see practiced here. And I would like to, um, I, I mean, I've reached out to um, someone that runs the adoptee resource library to help her to, to have, to see if she could guide me on helping to organize the information I'm collecting um, into a, you know, a more usable uh, fashion. You know, for now it is what it is, but I am very interested in collecting information on other countries as well about do you, you know, are there ways, you know, on existing law books that that, that people can avoid um, creating problems for, for children in need of care outside of their own immediate family? Are there ways that 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 their care can be conducted in an in an you know in a way that respects their their rights, um, their, their you know their human rights under the constitution of this country or that country or whatever? Um, and I'm very interested in collecting that information and and getting it into um, a really usable form. I'm doing my best at the, this time with a Google spreadsheet, you know, but, um, uh, and I know that you, you have collected, you collected much the same information in your conversations, you know, and, and the reason the information gets collected to the audience, the reason the information gets collected is because you're in a debate with somebody and you try to prove a point and then you go look up the information and then you put it in your comment and you're like, oh God, where did I put that comment? You know, of what website, what one of the millions of websites that I go and I, you know, filibuster on, did I put that information that I looked up that one time to argue my point to that person that I'm, I'm never going to talk to again? 
And so the information tends to get scattered when you do the research and legwork, it tends to get scattered. And it was because I needed that information for a new argument with a new person. And I was like, damn, I know I did that. I know I looked that up already. I've already got it. Where did I put that? I started to put it into the table because I said, I think that I'm going to want to keep accessing this so that I can argue with people, right? It was originally done for my ability to argue. And then I thought, well, maybe, maybe I could put this up someplace where people could get to it and, um, and then, you know, and use it and share it with their other people in their little clubs of people that want to adopt, you know, share it, go ahead. You know, I, I'd love, even though I don't like that communities like that exist where people are being vultures or whatever, get this database out to them so that they can look it up and see how easy it could be to have one less problem in the life of the person they adopt because they've lost so much already. Don't do this to them. You know, don't be part of what causes loss, at least at minimum. If you're going to take on a kid and take care of them, don't add to their burden, right? Don't, don't, don't take more away from them than they already lost. You know, be as neutral and non-damaging an entity in that person's life as you possibly can, you know, and, and you, you know, they'll never have to fight for their birth certificate if you don't revise it. Please look at this list. I'd like to get that. And I love, I love organized people. I love people who are, I mean, the fact that you're putting all of this together in an accessible way is marvelous. I, I'm laughing because you're absolutely right. Somebody was arguing with me and that's when I started posting each state on Twitter, but then did I keep it in a notebook or anything? No. <laughs> so right. it's somewhere yeah. out no. there on my <laughs> deleted Twitter account. Uh, so no, because I love that you're being so organized and methodical about it. And before we go, I I would really like to touch on a group that you uh, started on Facebook. We mentioned it earlier, the search co-op, because I think this is another example of a way that people can come alongside marginalized com communities and help make resources available to them and yes 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 yes. i'm excited i'm i love the search co-op i'm i'm like super happy about it i'm really excited about it and um it's a tiny tiny little community of but we're we're mighty we're powerful you know and um it's i was helping to this was a couple of years ago i was helping two two women that had nothing to do with one another um, they were both members of the anti-group that i belong to and uh, uh, they were posting their respective stories. Melissa uh, Renee Plymel and uh, was posting her need to find her 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 daughter, who she lost to adoption when she was very young. Mother um, put in a Baptist maternity home and um, not given the option to option or support to keep her her child. She was essentially forced i mean you know when you're as young as she was uh, you know underage uh with no ability to even get a job you know at that age uh she you know she was in a bad position so she was looking for her daughter and then at the same time um tori uh, tori bond was um looking for her family she's adopted and um uh i was working with both of them and they were both very active um 
participants in their own search. They were not passive at all about it. Um, and at the same time, they were becoming really active in the anti-group and advocating on behalf of and learning that, you know, learning that, that learning a lot about themselves and the situation that they're in and that it was unjust, right? They will be awakening to the fact that things were unjust. And um, they both actively participated in their searches. And in particular with Melissa, her search was so complicated and difficult. Um, and we won. Um, and I and I had never had any help searching before ever. I did it all by myself. But when I came upon her search, I was fighting the state of Missouri for a copy of birth records uh, for of the people born on June 13th, 1985. I found a, I read the laws of every state that I help people in, and I read the whole thing. It doesn't take but more than an hour. Um, and I found a little loophole in the law that said you can get a list of all the people born on a particular day. You can't get copies of the records, like the actual birth records, but you can get a list of people born on the day. An unredacted uh, uh, redact, uh, list, right? So in the case of a mother looking for her daughter, I needed just the adopted name. So I asked for help in my group, in this group that we're members of. Could everybody join with me and write the state and you know bombard them with requests? Because the state was in a in a lawsuit with a, a group called uh, Release the Records, and they weren't releasing the records, and even the law was on the books that said that I was entitled to it. Um, they were trying to sh change that law actively when I was pursuing it. And hundreds of people wrote the state of Missouri and assisted Melissa and myself in this effort to obtain this list because on that list was going to be the adopted name of her daughter. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't think the list would be that long. I mean, I don't know anything about Missouri. I thought it was a farm state or something. It's There were a lot of kids born in that state on that day. I mean, we're talking <laughs> Four, three, four hundred girls. And I thought mm -hmm. that I'd have a little list, you know, like it was Modoc County or Shasta County in California. Still a little tiny list. It was an enormous list when we got it. First of all, it was a huge, huge victory that was won by the group and the anti-group. I mean, hundreds of people wrote and they and the state buckled and they gave me the list. And then I had this list to deal with. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? It will take me a year to look up every single female on this list and find out if she's been adopted or not. I've got to look them up, get the contact information, email them, message them, call them, you know, all the strikeouts to find out if any of them are adopted. So I said, well, that worked with people writing in. I said, anybody willing to help me do the, do the lookup information? I will give you access to all my passwords for different, you know, search websites and stuff. Is anybody willing to help me get through this, right? So uh, I think it was five women, including Melissa and her daughters. Uh, we spent seven days all over the world because we had people in different countries. And there's a couple of other uh, women who were working with Melissa who were her search angels also because, you know, it's not cheating on me. You can get as much help as you want. Um, there were some other women. And we joined together. You know, they were, you know, hobbyists searchers as well and then just random people joined together to do the lookups and we split the list up and in seven days we found her daughter and um although that has not been there's issues with melissa can come on and talk about her the, you know the, the challenges that she's having um really sealing the deal in that reunion she did get to talk to her daughter 
Um, her daughter is, is hesitant at this point to really start the relationship. Um, but we found her and she's healthy and she's alive and everything else. And, um, uh, and we've seen, you know, she's got photographs of her. So, so that to me really changed my opinion about, about being a searcher and helping people. It's, I don't need to be the one. And I was not the one to find her, by the way. I was not the one to actually identify her in my, you know, in some, some, it was another woman who's a wonderful person that changed Melissa's life forever. But that group effort completely altered my perception of how much I can personally accomplish when I have help. I mean, it, I may never have, I mean, it might've taken me two, three years to, to get through that. And then simultaneously, so that experience was life altering for me. And then simultaneously, Tori was helping with her own search and she was good. I mean, she was, we were, we were a great little team. We were, you know, we were splitting up lists and figuring things out to find her mother and father. And she was so good. I was like, well, you know what? You want to help me with this other one that I'm working on, these other couple of searches I was working on? And I kind of was like, I'll let you have this. You go and do it. And, and she got, she reunited. She was able to make first contact on behalf of an adopted person who wanted someone to help make first contact. And uh, it changed her life, I know, I mean, just to be able, because the mother, you know, was on the freeway when she got the call and she had to pull over and she was crying and she was so thrilled and, you know, finally get her baby back and stuff. Um, and that was one of the, kids that's black Amish that's that's whole like weird community that I somehow got a hold of me and now I reunite for the you know Amish adoptees uh you know it was uh which is a fascinating fascinating story in itself but Tori is now one of the go-to people for that community as well and Tori was an awesome searcher so Melissa wanted she said I want I want you to have a website and I said I don't want a website I'm not a professional. I don't want to have to have client testimonials and all that. I said, I, I just, word of mouth is fine for me. She goes, oh, you really need to have something. I said, well, okay. I would, I would do it if I didn't have to deal with the website and also, you know, like manage it. And um, I would do it if it was like a cooperative, like what we did with Tori's and your searches. And um, so Melissa set it up and she's the, she's the manager of the site. Um, I think it's been therapeutic for her to have a project that um, keeps her, keeps her, you know, feeling purposeful, um, you know, and even though her search did not end, um, well, you know what, it's in progress, like the, the reunion part is still yet to happen, but um, it, she's really become, come out of her shell or feeling, you know, because she was, she was, uh, you know, they took a kid you know so she was pretty pretty depressed about that and so she's really become a powerhouse and um tori is an amazing searcher she just took off and it was great for us to come together and create this community and then comes along all these other wonderful people from the different groups and from my personal life like you know that that become have become great searchers as well angelique roja um renee lewis uh, uh martha um Martha, Martha Fife, um, uh, well, Cindy Olson McQuay, um, all coming together to to assist in the in the in in helping people search, and then just the members just can passively help by circulating messages if somebody posts, you know, post this viral board and put it on your personal page, and you never know when someone in the group is going to have have a skill that we need, like 
you know, ability to translate Arabic or whatever, right? So, because we're helping people from all over the world all the time. So, um, please join with us. Um, I'm about to cry. Please, to the listeners, please, uh, please join together with us. Join the Search Co-op on Facebook. You never know when, when, when what you know. I'm really gonna cry. When you never know what you'll be able to do for somebody, for somebody else who's lost their family. I'm really choking up um, <laughs> because I'm really, I really am choking up because um, I do this because of how great it makes me feel. You know, um, yes, I do this for personal reasons. It does make me feel good to help. You know, uh, yeah, I have an ego and I, I have a soul and I, I help, I help because it makes me feel good. Um, uh, you know, and it's a good way to spend your time. It's, it's a better way to spend your time than playing video games or doing laundry in my case. Um, uh, but uh, the people that are members of, of the, the group, um, and, you know, I've got to give a shout out to like Ariel and, and Jody from the anti-group and um, to Rabs also. And there's so many more to, to say, you know, that all these people come together and they create a community of free resources for people that um, Christina, as well, they create a, a, re, a resources where we give a DNA test, you know, if you can't afford it. We'll find you a DNA test. It may take a while, but we'll find you one, you know, um, and you certainly are uh, integral in that as well. Thank you so much, um, Andy, uh, for, for supporting us. So whatever somebody needs, whether it's passwords or, and they can control their own search, they can help others. Um, it's, it's a different kind of group. We're not like the other search angel groups or whatever. It's, you know, participate together, do what you can. You don't have to. Um, give anything to others to be able to get something out of it. But I, I think that most people feel that they want to participate in, in a meaningful way or, you know, um, whatever they can do. So please join with us and change people's lives and give them access to, um, to tools that they can, so they can control their, their search process because it's their information and they deserve it. And their family deserves a chance at, at being together in the future. And, um, and, and it's a wonderful place to be. Please, please join us there and participate. Oh, I'm. I'm I plan to buy. Oh, that's. <laughs> well, you feel very passionately <laughs> about it, and that comes across. And I think that there is a kind of beauty in collaboration, and it's in, you know, in having people come together and share freely and be supportive of one another. And it's, you know, it's hard a lot of times for adoptees to trust people who are not adoptees. I know, yeah. It's been difficult because, you know, we've been silenced, we've been invalidated. You know, the laws are set up to uh, remove our agency from us. And when we find people who are not adopted, who are passionate about adoptee rights, it's, it can be. It's sketchy. It's sketchy. There's, there's a, you know, viewing me with a very suspect eye. I'm aware of it. And I'm, I'm very aware of that. Yeah. And I know it's weird. I didn't intend to do this. It's an odd thing to be interested in. I know. 
Well, but it's nice to hear some of your background and to understand, you know, kind of where you come from and why you became invested in this. And it's also nice because, you know, there's so much shutting down of conversation going on in our culture and it robs people in many ways of an opportunity to learn from one another and if we want to be able to come alongside one another and help each other out then we have to be willing to listen and learn and acknowledge when we make mistakes or you know have the self-awareness have the self-awareness to be able to say i oh you know i need to examine my beliefs on a certain topic i need to maybe say that i'm sorry Uh or I need to change directions. And I know that you have gone through that process. I know that you are actively to learn, you know, just as so many of us have so many other areas of our lives that we need to be open to changing our perspectives. You, you know, yeah, there was a lot of people over the years, right, there's been a lot of people that were suspicious of my motivations. You know, what, in what way was I attempting? I must be attempting to capitalize um, on the process for, if not, if not for money, then it must be for for fame. Or I'm I'm, I'm I, I want to control the process, or I want to I want to feel like you know, look what I did and show everybody what I did, or something like that, right? So fine. And of course, there's a certain amount of that there, right? But but when challenged like that, and you know, people would say things of that nature, I'm like, well, okay, I don't need to be the, I don't need to control the process. I'll give you the tools. So I altered my behavior based on, I don't want people to view me that way, that I have a need to control somebody's search in order to feed my ego and say, look what I did. Right. And that really bothered me that that was said to me. Right. It bothered me on a deep and personal level. Right. I was very introspective about my, uh, and I then decided to respond to that statement by saying, you know what? I don't want to be viewed that way. And I mean, I typed that, like I said, okay, I don't want to be viewed that way. I actually really believe in what I'm doing from the angle of, I just want this person to find their family. It's really the bottom line. I don't need to be the one that does it. I don't need to be the one that says, okay, look at me. Other than I say, look at me because I feel like it will get other people to come to me and ask for assistance and get the help they need. I don't need for it to be me, which has been part of the search co-op. I don't, it doesn't have to be me. I'm teaching other people how to search all the time. It really doesn't need to be me. I altered my behavior to give away the tools. You can have my passwords. I don't need to control that. The moment I start helping you these days, I give you the passwords to every single account I have. I trust. I put my whole trust out there that nobody's going to steal from me and nobody has. But I give people the same tools so that they have, I don't have anything they don't have. Right. It mattered to me that I be not perceived as somebody who was was had some egomaniacal reason or or I've heard recently said told me fetishist interest in the pain of other people that I want to be like, oh, look at me. I really disliked that idea that I would be cast in that light. And I was like, screw it. I have no desire to be that person that they are thinking of. Please take the tools. And so that's why we became a place where people could get free tools. 
or assistance if they want it or manage their searches however they want. I don't want to behave that way. There's other things like the whole first contact thing. I was doing that. I was counseled out of that. You know, I, over time, I think I've gained the trust of all group of auntie or some people what they call adoption land. I'm not qualified to speak on that, but I'm, I'm, I, I think I am viewed with less suspicion than before because I have tried to conduct myself really ethically. I definitely have never made a dime off of it. I don't ask people to reimburse me. I don't, you know, those kinds of things I've tried not to do. I haven't written a book. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not on TV. And I was very cautious about even coming on this program. As you know, I was, you know, if you're adopted, you've got, you know, you're part of the thing and you, you can operate, you can make your movie and make your money. I'm that's all good. I just have to be careful not to, involve myself in anything that would sully my pristine <laughs> you know that would that would would where anybody would say see look she she's doing it for to, to make you know to, to to further her you know whatever it is that, that people may think I'm doing this for um I have to be really careful because I value uh, the respect that I've tried to get from people and their trust because I mean obviously it's not a situation where people are very trust put their trust in people because they're they're so kind of like abused and you know lied to all the time and stuff like that so I really want to conduct myself uh with 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 you know respectfully and and, and listen to what information comes you know into me from from people that I I don't mind finding out that I'm wrong in fact you know, I don't want to be embarrassing myself out there in the world. If I'm saying something stupid and making myself look like a jackass, it, it, if somebody cares enough to pull me aside politely and tell me I've got spinach on my teeth, I appreciate that. You know, if they do, especially if they do it in a way that isn't belittling and demeaning. There's a lot of that in the adoption community, like online, where people will belittle and berate and demean, and it's it's off-putting because I really do want to learn and change my behavior if it's if it's wrong. So, um, but I, I, even when people have belittled me or demeaned me or degraded me, this topic is pretty important. And so I, I will pull them offline and chat with them and I'll, I'll say, let's see. Okay. Yeah, there's no problem. I'm going to change my behavior. I won't be saying this anymore. If it's, you know, if, if, if it's something like that, that I can do to be more respectful, like I've been made aware that adoptees is a term that, I mean, it's a pretty common term within the, you know, vernacular of this, of, 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 of adoption to call people adoptees. I, a few people mentioned that they prefer adopted, you know, adopted person. And it really is no sweat off my back to try and make that effort. I've changed my language to, to be more clear in other, other uh, areas of, of this advocacy. So, um, you know, what's the big deal? I'll say adopted person, you know, I'll try, you know, I make a, I mess up every now and then, but, you know, in general, the point is I'm going to try to be respectful. I'll change my behavior because this is important. The, the, I have an end goal in mind, which is to stop this happening. And, you know, if, if I have to change my behavior a little bit here and there to, to accomplish that and make people feel respected and listened to, I'll do it. Well, we appreciate that. And I think for anybody listening, the, the most respectful thing you can do is just ask somebody, how do you prefer to be described or addressed or considered? You know, what feels 
right for you and just offer that kind of respect to people. And we're going to have to work with each other if we want to see the goals accomplished. And in closing, is there any additional thought that you would like to leave listeners with today? Just that I hope that they um, come and participate in the search co-op. And if anybody wants to need anything from us, please come and, 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 and participate and, and get what you need from us as far as free resources. And also, um, if anybody wants to participate with me in the project of building this, this resource of states and looking up the state information, I would love it. I need it. I'd love a partner to cooperate with on that or a couple of them. Any donate some time to that. But anybody that wants to contribute to uh, someone's search effort in, in whatever way, whether it's time or purchasing a DNA test or whatever, directly, great. Or if you need something, please come visit us. And thank you so much for trusting me and, and your faith in me and the faith, faith, faith of the co-op and stuff, um, uh, Andy. Because uh, we, we love you and appreciate you and, and listen to you and, and your podcast. And um, I'm super excited to be on here i've been telling everybody about it all week so i'm like so happy and um it's a real uh real honor to be here thank you so much for your respect and your um and your support that's what i want to leave the viewers viewers well, to thank you that's very kind of you and i will be including in the show notes the links that marilyn will be providing me with for the uh, birth certificate project and the information about the search co-op so please check the show notes if you would like more information and thank you so much for listening today Bye.